This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows. This week, Quark, Episode 7. Starnote, to clear my mind, I have decided to take a walk in space. Why, why do I have the feeling that was a big mistake? <laughs> Further, Starnote. This is the worst holiday number 11 I ever had. <laughs> Addition to further startup. I'm floating away! <laughs> Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast wishing you and yours a joyous holiday number 11. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? You ruined my what's real because I was going to make a, a 11 a joke as well. Holiday 11. What a treat. I am so happy that we got to watch a Christmas episode. Do you think if the show went on, they would have had all the holidays covered or all their weird number holidays? I mean, I can only assume maybe each each holiday episode would be just a different number holiday. Yeah. Do you think it was supposed to be what happened to Christmas or do you think it's just it just looks like Christmas? No, I think that's I think that's the gag is that like they all, all holidays just they became so indistinct they just got numbers so fox news was right it was a real Warren christmas, christmas is real yeah it was real and it all be they all became numbers i i, I think i think that's what this is predicting yeah. <laughs> it's a very political show quark all right before we get into it though this is our final episode of quark we took the escape pod mm-hmm. i'm still sad about it and before we leave though i think we agreed that we should uh remake quark as a uh major motion picture blockbuster yeah for for 2019 cork is back the the fans were like we just that the eight episodes or whatever did weren't enough all right let's let's do this i want to ask you though we don't have to commit to one thing or another but Mm -hmm. when you were casting this did you imagine here i imagined it as a like big budget space action movie sort of uh sort of along the lines of like like a little blue collar like aliens but more of a fun adventure no I, i thought the same thing it would be like a fun space adventure that's got humor in it yeah, I didn't. I didn't do it as a straight comedy, so I was curious if you would have gone that way. No, no, no. These th- these are all the the cream of the crop actors here. Great. Well, let, let's let's start. Let's start with Quark. Our first. Who who are we recasting Quark as? As per with all of these, I'll just say I have two suggestions for all of them. Great. I I only have one, so that'll give us three options. Three options. Okay. Well, I'll give you my first, then you give me one, and then I'll give you another one, and then we'll see what works. So my first one. I don't know if it quite works, but for some reason, he was the first person that popped into my mind when I was recasting, which is Ewan McGregor. Oh, interesting. That's not bad. That's not bad. All right. So for my pick, I went a little bit maybe on the nose. Mm-hmm. You'll have to tell me what you think. I hope this is someone who has a big, big nose. That's what I'm hoping because you're making some sort of pun. <laughs> some sort of pun. No, I went with Sam Rockwell. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, my, my second pick is, is similar. Mine's Simon Pegg. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're in the same kind of ballpark there, with the exception of Ewan McGregor, who's who's a bit of a dark horse. But what what are you feeling? I'm, I think any of these gentlemen can, uh, could carry cork shoes. I like Simon Pegg when you said it. I was just like, that's probably the most in line with the character. Okay, that's good. I mean, he's our man. Great. I think it's a good start here. Let's uh, move on 
And I don't know why I put him as number two because I guess he's second in second in commandish. I guess not exactly. I went with Ficus. Who who do you want to pick for Ficus? All right, I got two people again. My first, I'm really going with that straight laced, uh, no nonsense kind of person. I think he has a good face for just delivering straight lines. Hugo Weaving. Oh, that's pretty good. I had a lot of trouble with this one because he is kind of a straight man in and just like not. There's not a lot going on there. But I wanted someone who can deliver just like Spock-esque lines mm-hmm. with a straight face. But I, I swung a lot bigger. I think it should be Tom Hanks. <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm going to give you my third person, but we're not going to beat Tom Hanks. My next choice was Gary Oldman. Oh, pretty good. Which was just different, but I, we can't beat Tom Hanks. So that's it. Great. Tom Hanks it is. I, I do like the idea of Simon Pegg and Tom Hanks headlining this. Finally, it, we, the fans have been clamoring for it. They're finally together. This collaboration they've been mm-hmm. dying to do. Who, who do you have third there? All right, I've got uh, I've got Gene slash Gene. Right. Which is obviously where we get into some of the more complicated 2019 casting. Yeah, uh, and I, I thought about this. And I have a feeling that you probably at least picked one uh, woman for this role. I picked two men just to keep with tradition of what the show is, but I think you can go either way. So who, who did you pick? Well... I, I did put a lot of thought in this, too, because I was just like, I'm not going to do... I don't want to do what they did in the show, which is just, like, awful. You couldn't do it in 2019. Like, it's it's bad. It's well, so could. problematic. You could do it, but it would be well, a bad decision. If, if uh, yeah, yeah, if Fox News puts out its own movie channel. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, it... So I decided I'm like, I, you know, I think we talked about this a bit, the idea, like, is this character insulting to trans people? Who, like... Who is it most insulting to kind of thing? And I actually was thinking about it. I'm like, it's not really a trans character. Like, it's not a person who was assigned the wrong sex at birth. So I realized what I kind of wanted to do with it is actually find a non-binary actor, someone who'd identify as they, them. Hmm. Because I think that maybe if I'm going to try to rectify the problem with this character, I'm going to try to like, it probably is not going to be a person who's two sexes. It's just going to be maybe a non-binary person. That's why I decided to go with, which is a long explanation to say, I picked Asia Kate Dillon. Uh, they're a non-binary actor, so you know they them is the 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 nomenclature they use in John Wick three. They they play the adjudicator, which is I, I don't think you've seen it. No. And then they're also in a Billions and um, Orange is the New Black. Anyway, that that's how I decided to address that issue. So that's who I picked. You know, what? I think you did a better job than I did. So let's just go with yours. I think that's a better way of modernizing a problematic at best character fair enough fair enough um all right well let's move on let's let's go to the let's go to the bettys which again more problematic but uh <laughs> in a different way in a different way and i'll be honest i i approached this one maybe a little straighter i was just like who are our greatest twin actors oh see you went with twins i just went with um an actress who's gonna have to do both roles oh interesting i i decided to go with twins so do you want do you want to start us with your choices and i'll i'll surprise you with my twins I picked for the first one, although I think maybe at this point in her career, she's a little beyond it, which was Anna Ferris, just because I think she seems like an actress who is all game for all silliness, you know? Yeah, you're seeing the house bunny here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Did you have a second pick? Yeah, and I think, again, uh, if, if you're swinging for Tom Hanks, I'm swinging for uh, Jennifer Lawrence in the role. All right, sure, why not? She's never going to do it. Yeah, yeah. This is the this is her. Uh, this is the thing she drops out of immediately. Yeah, exactly. I, as I said, went with twins. I was like, who is our twin actors who are in the right age range that exist right now? It's tough to do. 
but uh, I went with Cole and Dylan Sprouse. I don't know who they are, but sure. Uh, they were child actors together. Uh, mm-hmm. They had like the sweet life of Zach and Cody, and they were in Big Daddy. Oh, those kids. Yeah, yeah, okay. But the one, uh, I, uh, Dylan Sprouse, I believe, is now on Riverdale as Jughead. Oh, yeah, yeah. The the, the kids love him. Yeah, they, they've they kind of grown up in a little bit of like, they're, they're very, like, that's the thing. They're kind of hot. They're mm-hmm. like, they, they're, they're young. Uh, and I, I think the reversing, reversing the gender roles and having them as kind of like the, the dumb, the dumb twins. And so, uh, are, is their name going to remain the Bettys? Um, I was trying to figure it out. They might be the Bernies. I'm not sure. We, we'll, we'll figure that out in the writing room. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's once we figure out that's this script's goal. That's the only problem we have. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Do you want, do you want to, do you want twins or do you want an actor doing double duty? No, no. I like the Bernies. Great, great. I I was just like, how can we not have twins again? No, no, you're you're right. I, I think this was probably too much to ask of uh, you know, an Oscar winning actress anyways. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our robot Andy. I guess this is probably just a voice role. So I have a weird uh a weird one for you. The first person I picked for Andy was Sam Rockwell. Oh I was wondering if we'd have crossover with Sam Rockwell somewhere in here. It just, you know, he feels like the kind of actor you put in this kind of space. I know. Isn't that funny? But uh, we picked him for two different roles. So basically, he's done the audition for one of the directors like, no, 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 no. You're Andy. You're more of an Andy, I think. Yeah. Who is your pick? I, because a big thing of I like about Andy the Android is uh, kind of what a coward he is and kind of how snivelly he is. I tried to I tried to pick someone who might like be able to bring that to the role. I went with jason alexander jason alexander what an odd odd pick well i want him to have that cow like that cowardly lion kind of uh thing that he has on the show right now and i just felt like an ai with jason alexander's personality is just like such a i've never seen that like robot walking around before so we've got a we've got a uh, a robot george costanza is what you're envisioning oh a little bit a little bit okay well before we decide my second pick because again, we were talking about this is just the voice. This person's just coming into the booth. They're nailing, and then they're they're walking home in their sweats. Exactly. Christoph Waltz. Interesting. Interesting. I just think he has a unique voice, and I think he'd be a voice you know right away, and maybe he could do a little bit with that role. But I, I, uh, as usual, whatever you think, I'm I'm fine with it. I I mean, I don't hate the idea of Christoph Waltz's voice for a cowardly robot. I think there's something like weird and scary but funny about that we could do a christoph waltz all right and you know he, he he'll take anything <laughs> he, he'll just he's happy to be there yeah exactly all right so this is uh as per usual shaping up to be quite the cast all right you want to move on to palindrome course, the guy yeah. who runs uh perma one mm-hmm. two picks again my first one is steve carell oh yeah oh yeah that could work Mine, I, I, mine's a real deep cut. I was having a lot of trouble with this character because he's both like mildly endearing, but also like such a little weasel that you kind of want to hate. And I was trying, mm-hmm. trying to pick an actor who I've seen do that recently. <laughs> and I went with uh, Timothy Simmons, who you'll only probably really know if you watch the show Veep. Oh, yeah. He played Jonah Ryan. Right, right. Well, you really went for Weasley, huh? Yeah, I just like the idea of him handing out assignments and also just being kind of like likable but very unlikable at the same time it's funny you saw it that way because i went more i think into the the, likable category because my second pick is bill murray oh wow bill murray now that would be like everyone loves palindrome you know 
Yeah, Palindrome is like the most likable man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if that's what we're going for, then Bill Murray. But if you want him to be unlikable, then I think your pick is, is the one. Steve Carell could work. All right, let's go with that. Yeah, Steve Carell, I think, I think you could, I think that's a nice mix of like the star power that you need, but like still kind of keeping him on the like, he could be a bad boss. Luke, this movie does not need any more star power. You can't have enough star power. It, it, this is already a hundred million dollar movie. Believe me, because we're about to cast the head. Oh yeah, I get, I got two, uh, two grumpy guys for this. Oh, interesting. Who, who do you got? First one, I love, but you may not agree with me. Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> I, I, I mean, sure, he's a little craggly faced, but sure. Yeah, I mean, don't you want to see Tommy Lee Jones with a gigantic, like, round head? I, I yeah, I could watch that. Yeah, he still has the big, long, droopy ears. I don't know. Tommy Lee Jones has really large ears, if anyone hasn't noticed. (laughs) I've picked him before. I think I've picked him often. But I really love the idea of just his head being in the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Rock. (laughs) You know what? It's pretty funny. We have picked him before. I think at least once we've picked The Rock before. That is a pretty funny uh, choice and definitely would change the, uh, the dynamic of what the head is. I um, like that that muscly voice coming out of just like with the, without the body though. It's just like he still has a muscly voice, huh? I'd say so. I think if you saw him without a body, you'd be like, mm, I still wouldn't want to fight him. I think no matter what, the head is stunt casting. It's just like you know he's only in for a couple scenes, but you want the audience to be like, yeah, yeah. And so me being apparently um seventy five years old, my my second pick was Michael Caine. Michael. Caine. <laughs> Yeah, I, mean, I just I like the idea of him giving giving orders in his his lovely voice. They're both. I think you're right. They're both equitable. Those are both equitable choices. I think between Tommy Tommy Lee Jones, yeah, and Michael Caine. I kind of like The Rock though. It's pretty funny. I do like his giant already bald head, but then you just like spike it up a little. Yeah, I think we should go with The Rock. All right, let's do, let's do The Rock. People will definitely cheer when they see him. Yeah, who's who's uh, directing this masterpiece? Okay. Um, I have perhaps an, 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 an unorthodox choice, but I actually think he's the perfect man for this kind of like blue collar world they live in. Okay. What's it going I think mean? he'd capture the spirit of it the best. I'm proposing director of A Star is Born, Bradley Cooper. <laughs> really? That's the choice, huh? Bradley Cooper, I think, would knock this out of the park. Really? No, I didn't watch that because um, uh, I value my time too much. But uh, it's I've an never interesting seen it. choice. Yeah, none of us, no one's seen it. The the choice I picked. Now I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, so you have to correct me. Take Waititi. Is that how you pronounce his name? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I thought. I thought everyone will just be funny all the time. I mean, he did it for Thor three, so yeah. I mean, he could do it here. Yeah, but you but you think Bradley Cooper? Huh? The intensity I, of Bradley Cooper. I think Bradley Cooper brings an unintentional gravitas to everything that will be very funny. <laughs> sure, sure, let's do it. So, but I have I have one surprise for you. Uh-oh, a surprise. Which is, you're going through all these names. You know, we've got all these people. Who do we got? We got Simon Pegg as Quark. We've got whoever those two twin heartthobs as, as the other Bettys and all those people. And then you're like, how could this cast get any better? And then you get a blank screen and special appearance by playing Obi Mud, Jeff Bridges. Oh, yeah, 100%. Right. I mean, Obi Mudd looks exactly like Jeff Bridges does right now. Yeah. It's just, it's, he just comes out. Obi Mudd's it only in a scene because he's not, you know, he's not canon anymore. He just kind of shows up for the, for the true diehard fans that, you know, really appreciate Cork. Yeah. He, he like drops off Andy. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And you're like, yeah, Jeff Bridges. And, and then he's off. 
He's just in an eye patch. He's basically playing the dude, and he walks away. <laughs> exactly. So do you want to do a quick rundown of who we have in this movie? All right. Let's see if I can remember them all. Quark is played by Simon Pegg. Mm-hmm. Ficus is Tom Hanks. <laughs> That's great. Gene is Asia Kate Dillon. Yep. The Bettys or Bernies are Cole and Dylan Sprouse. Mm-hmm. Andy is, you're going to have to remind me. Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz. Thank you. Palindrome is Steve Carell. Right. The head is The Rock. <laughs> I love that. It's The Rock and, and, uh, and Tom Hanks in the same movie. Oh, what a movie. Yeah. And then, of course, a special appearance by Obi Mudd, Jeff played Bridges. by Jeff Bridges. Yeah. And, and directed with searing intensity by uh, Bradley Cooper. Oh, so much. It's going to be just like smoldering the whole movie. Yeah. What, what a movie, yeah. Huh? And, and this, is, this is what, a $200, $300 uh, a million dollar movie? Yeah, if if not more, if this not might more. be the first billion dollar movie. Billion dollar movie. They they went through just whatever was available in the vault, and they said no one has redone Quark. No one, and and here we have it. This is the movie that sinks Warner Brothers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's Warner Brothers who's doing it. I don't know. Sure, why not? It's a Disney at this point. Disney will just own everything. <laughs> All right. Should we should we get into this final episode now, Jordan? Yeah, the final episode. Here is the IMDb summary for episode 7, Vanessa 382436. It's so 70s, huh? It's a joyous holiday number 11. Holiday or not, Quark is told by the head that he's going to be the subject of his latest experiment. And that was courtesy of H. Piley Pie. Uh, you know what? I don't think we're ever going to hear from this person again because I'm assuming they only ever watch Quark. But uh, thanks for all those uh, incredibly long synopsis over the uh, last couple weeks. It's true. They've been very um, editable. Yeah, very comprehensive. Well, as we mentioned, we're, we're starting a pseudo-holiday episode, which so much fun to see a holiday episode on a show. I don't realize how much I enjoy them until I start watching them. I can remember this and one other holiday episode from shows we've watched, which was Space Above and Beyond. Has there been other ones? I think that's been it. I mean, other than maybe... No, that's, I think that's it. Yeah, they should do more of those. It is a genre that is both stupid and bad and so much fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. I liked this episode. <laughs> All right, let's talk about what we see on Perma 1 to denote that it is a holiday number 11. Everyone's hanging holiday number 11 uh, decorations around the bridge. That's right, yeah. There's the those carolers. Let me ask you, what was the joke? Because the, the joke is, as it, most of these episodes start, Palindrome's walking through the hallway and he comes to what seems to be three kind of cloaked figure aliens that are singing but the joke is that they have bad voices is that the joke well their voices are like basically electronic music like they're almost going through a synthesizer or something yeah i think that's the joke is because he he compliments them on what a great rendition of it is but like we the audience cannot tell what on earth they're doing the humor of cork is subtle it's very subtle i did like the aliens though because yeah they're all in red gowns with all red faces and big bug eyes they're very very weird looking aliens and uh, i should say in this episode Quark's got a great uh, silver bomber jacket in this now. And I don't remember him having that before. Oh, um, I maybe picked it up in the canon in one of the other episodes. Yeah, maybe. Because he was always wearing that like sort of shirt with the epaulets. And this one, it's like a silver jacket. I'm like, ooh, futuristic. True. And uh, somebody wants to give Palindrome a holiday number 11 gift. Is it Dink? You know what? You'd think it is because it looks exactly like Dink. It's not. I think they said Duke, didn't they? His name is Duke. So everyone, everyone in whatever this species is, this this cousin it esque species, they just have a name that starts with a D, and it kind of sounds like Dink. It's true. Uh, he looked a little different, I thought too. He looked like a little more like a carpet, 
and less like Cousinette. You know what he had? He had slightly crimped red hair mixed in with the brown. Mm. And it's kind of the first time we ever saw a close-up, but it was funny. I'm like, is this Dink's brother, Duke? You would think they all look alike. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, th- I think he's just the same species. Yeah. The, the episode really starts off, though, as Quark arrives for his usual classic mission briefing, which is, you know, clearly the engine of the show is two other commanders show up. They both get better gigs and Quark gets a crappy gig. Yeah, except for the second episode. Yeah, except for the second episode where they didn't draw a follow formula we didn't know they had. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I don't remember. What did the other two people get? They they always get like very odd uh, missions, but he Quark's always very envious. It's weird. Uh, one of them basically gets assigned to the UGSS-10, which is like the, um, like the best ship in the galaxy. Like she's getting assigned to the greatest ship that's ever existed. Right. And then... Which isn't really a joke, but at least the first guy, like, there's kind of a joke to his story. Is like, he gets back and the head's like, hey, I know that uh, I pulled you away on the night of your honeymoon to go on a two-year mission. That's right. But you get to go home to see your wife after two years. Yeah. Which is almost a joke. But Palindrome kind of keeps teasing um, Cork. He's like, I know you always get the worst gigs. We're going to give you a really good one. And like, he just keeps saying it over and over and Quark's like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you're going to get the best one yet. I've saved the best for last. You really earned it. We're real buddies now. And what does he give him? He gives him uh, the opportunity to be the subject of the head's latest experiment. And he doesn't want to be an experiment. You know, he doesn't want to be a part of these experiments. Quark, Quark's after did, did you catch uh, the last experiment that uh, Quark took it was involved in for the, for the head? No. What was it? It was testing gravitational properties of wheat. <laughs> you know, that's pretty funny. And he's not he's not too happy to have to do another experiment. Yeah. But we get to see the experiment when uh, we, we get to see their ship in dry dock in what has to be the worst miniature work they've ever done in this series. <laughs> yeah. And they've done some bad miniature work. It was it was the least saleable. Like it looked like a child had built something out of Lego. Well, you know what? They don't have time. They're, they're putting all their money into the writers uh, pumping out these jokes. It's true. And I can't, I don't even know why they needed, they felt the need to show us the ship in dry dock. Like it could have just been in space still. Yeah. I don't know. They just, they need it. Well, why do they need to keep showing us the same shot of uh, the ship uh, taking garbage in over and over and over? Because it's the best. It's it's the highest production value. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the person we meet is Dr. Cheryl Evans, mm-hmm. head of all computer development for the United Galaxy. And she's going to very shortly introduce us to it, which is the most advanced computer in the world, or I guess in the galaxy, which is named Vanessa 382436. How do you like that? I mean, that's a joke on someone's measurements, right? Yep. That's the joke. Aren't those good measurements? I think at least in 1978, uh, those were the ideal measurements you're looking for. Now, if you think about it, that's uh, that's a real small waste. I don't even know like I, I don't know measurements i like they said it i'm just like that means like i can't even envision what a person with you could be describing anything to me i don't know i don't know what those well, measurements i'm mean. gonna assume uh you and i uh being in the same room a lot you're probably about a, you're probably a 30 32 waist oh you're oh i i am a 32 waist yeah so this person would be a 24 waist that's very very tiny the idea obviously is someone who has a large chest small waist and large hips oh that's oh yeah, actually, now that you describe it, I'm like, I'm a very uh, slight human being. And if I had a 24-inch waist, I'd be a dead human being. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, yeah, my measurements are also not that. But uh, we're not the idealized uh, uh, computer. <laughs> but uh, uh, what we should uh, let everyone know listening is that 
you never really see Vanessa other than she's essentially a box but like in the wall and it's just a red light it's very um yeah she's a console uh, installed in the co- in the computer system exactly so when she talks you just see a red light go but that's really all you yeah she's see. like the source she's just a voice yeah they, they they love writing characters where you don't have to have uh, anyone show up uh also I, I like that this plot is for us such a classic science fiction plot because they're installing vanessa basically to make the crew and quark obsolete how many times have you seen this now it's every show i mean the entire <laughs> show of almost human is this idea and we've seen it in space rangers i'm pretty sure did we see it in tech war i'm sure maybe I, not in tech war i feel like this is an episode of almost every show we've watched yeah, that, that, that fear that uh, the robot's going to take over. But don't worry, humans have qualities too. Don't take our jobs. Yeah, exactly. Don't take our jobs, robots. <laughs> but yes, um, as they in- sort of install Vanessa, we kind of get a sequence where they, they test her a little bit by asking her questions. There's like, someone asks her some math equations. Someone asks her, I think uh, Ficus might ask her, like, if a tree falls in a forest, what do you blah, blah, blah. Uh, I like that the Bettys ask her, uh, which one of us is the clone? Yeah, doesn't she say the pretty one? Yeah. <laughs> So does, yeah, and they both get upset. No, nobody knows still. No one knows because they're both pretty. But what I did like is every time Vanessa answers, uh, Andy the android like starts mumbling an answer just after her, uh, trying to pretend he's also he's also a good computer. Yeah, much like uh, a few shows we've seen, like you know when we were talking about um, uh, Planet of the Apes, and uh, Urko became the uh, the shining star of that show. This one is Andy, and if this show had kept going, like it would have to be just Andy centric episodes because. I think even the writers, as as weak as this show is, all the best lines go to Andy, and he's the most realized character of them. Like he's this self-deprecating, um, uh, full of self-doubt, such a coward. It, yeah, it's great, and he, and he's funny, and and his scenes are actually legitimately funny, as opposed to all the other stuff they do. It's a character you can build jokes around. It's the only one. Yeah, and uh, honestly, a better episode would have focused on Andy and his inferiority complex toward this much more superior robot. I didn't think about that, but you're right. That would have been a better episode as opposed to having to kind of jam in um, Quark because it's just like Quark's your everyman. And you're right. It, a- Andy episode would have made this much better. Like even Yeah, just it, the only real good jokes for Andy are in this opening where he's trying to compete with this robot and it never really comes up again. But like that was the show. If it was going to be anything, that would have been the show. I think he mentioned at one point he doesn't want pity, but he'll take what he can get. Yeah, yeah. He's happy to take it if he can have it. Just any attention yeah. is good attention. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but essentially, the idea is Quark doesn't like Vanessa or her superior atti- superior attitude to him. And we're told the rest of the crew has come around to her, but we never really see it in action. Well, there's no time for it. But I think, isn't it his real problem with the computer is he doesn't feel like she believes in them as as a, a human species or human-like species in, in the account, account of uh, Ficus? Exactly. He feels there. Yeah, he feels she feels superior to him and has no faith in him and he does not appreciate it. Right. Um, and, you know, they kind of start sailing off on through space on whatever their mission is, I guess, picking up garbage. And um, the Bettys pick up an alien ship on a collision course with them. It's a, a Gorgon cruiser class warship. That's a big one. And, uh, of course, it, it only appears on sensors. There's no visual confirmation. And uh, Quark kind of takes control and, and commands them to stay on a collision course. And I, I like this series of quotes here, though. So I'm going to give you a couple lines from the show. <laughs> All right. Uh, they're like, why, why are we going to do this? And Nick Quirk says, stay on our present course. If we turn, the Gorgons will sense our weakness. To which uh, Andy replies, a two-year-old could sense our weakness. Yeah, well, I mean, what I liked about the scene is the constant um, going back to um, the graphics. 
that just couldn't have looked worse. <laughs> like, because they're trying to show this like collision course and have, I know they're not really going for tension, but the, you know, there should be at least something. And it's just like watching just a screen of just like, just colors that you can't really tell what's happening. Yeah. It's, it's more, it's like a radar screen with a dot in the middle and then dots coming at it. You're like, Oh no, what's going to happen. But, but essentially what's happening here is that Vanessa's asking Quark if she'd like him to take over and take care of the situation and Quark just won't do it. And uh, the crew's getting panicky and, as we see every episode, uh, Gene tries to do a mutiny. He tries to mutiny yeah. again. If we had known, we could have been uh, keeping score from the beginning. I, well, I feel like what this show is, is like, they give you like, you need to have Quark get a mission while two other commanders get a better mission. Gene has to try mutiny once. And uh, that's that's like, these are the steps of the show. It's in the Bible. The show owner's like, these, these are going to have to happen or it's not Quark. I mean, we skipped three episodes and like, I feel like I know exactly all the beats I'm going to see exactly although i did like when he starts like getting in quark's face and like being like i I gotta take command like quark just yell just like responds by saying shut up like that like they dismisses him immediately well he's even he's tired of gene and uh, at the moment of impact of course nothing happens quark knew all along this was all a ruse by vanessa to like test him and prove he's not a good commander how do you think he knew it was a ruse here's what i have to ask you is like when did quark get competent well that that's what i mean because i know they're going for this thing of like they want to show that humans have this special quality that makes us unique and thus we should be in charge of these spaceships and these missions but so far in this show not to take this clearly you know silly sitcom too seriously but everything they've shown the show is that quark is not competent and their crew is not competent and it's sort of they bumble from one adventure to the next so he just kind of knew because it was convenient for the plot to have humans be better than robots it is the weird thing where it's the first time they've ever like decided, oh, we need Quark to be competent. And it really just, it, he his whole character has been incompetent. So why is he competent for once? The point being he outsmarted the robot. And she's like, oh, why I oughta? Yeah. And since the crew doubted him, he's a little, he's a little upset. So he decides he's going to take a quick space rock to calm his nerves. You know, but, but not only just a space walk, who returns? Yeah, his Ergo. pet Ergo. Uh, very exciting. And what I liked, you know, this, again, this show... <laughs> it's not good it's got its little moments and i thought it was a real piece of uh something that they put uh ergo in a spacesuit to go outside for the walk i thought that was very cute now i have a question i also originally was just like oh they put ergo in this like plastic little black spacesuit which just looks like a blob but do you think do you think that's a spacesuit or do you think they redesigned ergo and now he's just a black plastic blob no i i think they did put him in a spacesuit however I think it's a very good possibility. They just forgot what Ergo looked like. But I'd like to believe that they put him in a spacesuit because it's much cuter. It is much cuter that way. Though it is as likely they lost the prop. <laughs> yes, yes. It's it's that uh, it's that old uh, uh, Planet of the Apes where the the show changed because they just lost the, the prop for uh, their... What were they doing? They were trying to find the little piece of something. They're trying to bring that hard drive to a computer and then they lost That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. It's that sort of thing. But Cork and Ergo go out for uh, a spacewalk, which is just them floating around. And... <laughs> Of all the things in this show, this has got to be one of the worst looking things, didn't it? I loved it. It looks so terrible. Their FX, I mean, it was fun to watch because it was the, the FX here, the miniature work combined with the actor yeah. on a green screen was just like, or probably just a black screen for space. It, I, I actually think it was just a black curtain or screen or something that just had holes punched in it. Because that's yeah. what it looked like. I mean, yeah, it is It is bad, but in a very enjoyable way. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the miniature work and everything is just, it's great. But what basically happens here is, He's out in space. As soon as he gets out there, you see the door close and cuts his oxygen supply uh, tube. Although, 
I never did see in the ship how else it would have been able to get it without the door closing on it. There didn't ever seem to be like, it's not like it was tied around or something. So it seems like it would always close in the door. Am I wrong? Well, I guess I guess the idea is when you go for a spacewalk, you never close the door. Ah, maybe that's what it was. But yes, he's, he's, his oxygen severed. He only has 10 minutes reserve and he's floating in space and Vanessa's basically trying to kill him. And it is fun. We get to watch him float in front of like the windshield of the ship and like the crew sees him. And they're like, Vanessa, help him. And she's like, uh, I don't think I will. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I, I'd prefer not to. And we kind of actually see more Quark competence because he, he and Ergo land on one of the grabbers, one of the outside grabbers for garbage. And he takes out his pistol. And uh, it's very funny. He just shoots the garbage hatch and it just it opens. It just opens. That's how, you, that's how you open it. They, they hadn't really thought through a lot of how they were going to solve the problem of him being in space. But uh, so yeah. I was like, I don't know. He shoots it and it opens. But but we get a great shot there of, and Luke, correct me if I'm wrong, was this sh- shot in slow-mo? The next thing is basically Quark and Ergo coming into the garbage chute, which is the first time we've actually seen the all interior the, of the garbage. The, yeah, the interior and all the bags of garbage. But I, was, I, don't, I couldn't tell if it was a dummy or a real human that had to do this look like very painful flip into the garbage bags. And I, I love, I just like, I watch it over and over. And I still don't know. Was that a dummy? I think it's a, I think it's either a stuntman or a dummy on wires. And yeah. like the garbage bags are like the size you'd expect them to be. They're massive green garbage bags. And you're right. This is my favorite part of the entire series. When we got to see the interior of the garbage hatch yeah. and like the zero G bouncing around, like he's like, he's doing pratfalls off of piles of garbage. This is my favorite part of the entire series. Yeah, it was great. I loved it too. Uh, the best, the best thing this show's ever done. <laughs> but, but there's been so many <laughs> this is the high point of so many high points yeah but he's back he's back on the ship he gets in the crew comes to greet him out the hatch and he downplays it because uh vanessa's kind of like a little uh, she's very snarky to him about the whole thing and he pretends like oh it's fine doesn't matter let's just keep going on the mission i don't i don't blame you and the crew is just like a little freaked out and then quark kind of like winks at them all and says hey guys since it's holiday number 11, which we've all forgotten because that plot thread dropped. There's also like no reason for it to be number 11. It's just like, just because. Well, it, it's so they can have this line where he's like, let's do our usual holiday number 11 tradition of having a shower together. The, the point uh, Cork is making and, and why he wants them to go into the showers is apparently it's a private area where computers I'm don't monitor. The only place where computers don't monitor. But they've never told us that before, nor does he ever actually say that. He just goes... Let's go to the showers and they're in there. And you as a viewer go, oh, I guess Vanessa can't can't see them in Hear there. Hear them? Yeah. But here's the thing. She's tapped into the computer system. She, for all intents and purposes, is the computer. I'm assuming all the controls of the uh, shower are controlled, controlled by the computer. So she would be in there. I mean, there's privacy regulations in this world. Perhaps. Perhaps. That's, I don't that's think Vanessa the only cares. explanation. I did like, though, because the Bettys are who they are, they don't quite get why they're going to the shower. They're very excited to go in. And uh, I did like that one of them shouts as they go, last one in is a quasi-norm. <laughs> I didn't catch that. I, mean, I don't know what that means, but okay. I, I'm assuming something offensive? Almost certainly something offensive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, once they're in the showers, the safety of the showers, Quark basically says, hey, you guys, Vanessa's awful. I, let's dismantle her. I'm going to dismantle her. You guys distract her. And like they basically, they just come up with a plan to stop Vanessa. But is there much of a plan? No, uh, you distract her, I'll dismantle her. But they forgot one crew member. Oh, Andy. 
Yeah, Andy's not in the shower, and what you find out is Andy's being tricked by Vanessa to uh, get charged up by the... He's getting his battery charged by her, That's and right. um, she, while he's, she, he's getting charged, she takes control of Andy, so Andy is no longer uh, in control of himself. He's now doing Vanessa's bidding. And he's such an effective robot that you'd want him on your side. Well, what's really funny about this is not like, like not 10 minutes earlier... Andy basically promises Vanessa, because he's so impressed by her, that he will betray his family and crew anytime she asks. Yeah, that's Andy. So it just, I was like, that's a, why don't you just have Andy betray them? Like, that's funnier. Like, why have him lose his self, his willpower? Because it's not a very good show. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, But essentially, this sets off the thing. And you get this idea that they're going to distract her while he gets tools. But what happens is he basically gets a toolbox. And then she pumps the ship full of sleeping gas. Yeah, he just almost immediately just starts taking a screwdriver and trying to unscrew her from the wall. And it was like, that was the plan? That's why you guys met in secret? And then she's like, no, 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 and starts putting smoke into... Uh, well, that's, she, isn't that, isn't that happening? Or, or am I mixing up the order? Well, no, not real. Not, you're basically right. Like, basically, he gets a toolbox. And they're like, all right, now we need to distract her. And she just pumps sleeping gas in and everyone falls asleep. And because Quark's still wearing his spacesuit, he's able to close his mask and not be affected by sleeping gas. But... There's really no time for any fun of game, fun and games of distracting Vanessa because she just like wipes out the crew. And then you're right. Then he gets a drill and starts undoing her from the wall. It is weird because you've pointed out something that I think is systematic in this show, which is, and it's not a good thing. It's, it's a problem the show has, which is there's some interesting ideas and some uh, places for comedy, but they never want to commit to it for whatever reason. It almost feels like they're racing to the end of the episode and so it's like, we don't have time. We don't have time to make this funny. We don't have time to make this interesting. And it's like, but that's the show you're making. And they seem to always make the choice of whatever will end the scene as fast as possible, as if they've never taken an improv cat class ever, you know? Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It's not yes and, it's no then. Yeah, exactly. For everything. Well, even this, like, as he's undoing it, as expected, she's taking control of Andy. So she sends Andy off to stop him. And we get a very badly photographed fight with andy and quark Mm -hmm. that like it's just andy's limbs flailing about and quark like cowering and then you just have and you hear quark say what's the what does he say he says i've got to turn you off and then you get a cut into him like touching andy's like midsection Mm -hmm. and then another and then as soon as he touches like i did it (laughs) like there's no tension like he's just like he's like i've got to turn you off i did it that's what i mean you you mentioned it before but this could have been Andy turning against the crew and then there has to be this like kind of big fight at the end and stuff but they were just like let's just throw it in for a scene or two but we don't have any time to develop this so he just he goes Andy evil then he pushes him now he's not evil anymore you're like okay well why did I see any of that well yeah it's like you guys like and it's only five seconds of screen time it's like you weren't even feeling time with it yeah that's it's, it's so it's such an odd show and it's and it's been a problem from the beginning and it's just that that's the show they want apparently yeah, and then he takes Vanessa's console out of the wall. She's begging him to not throw her out the garbage chute and starts complimenting how handsome he is. Which doesn't work because Cork knows he's handsome. He doesn't need somebody to tell him that. Well, yeah, he's not, he's not, he, he knows. He's, he's got it all inter- internalized already. <laughs> yeah. Like the audience, we're all very aware of how handsome he is. Doesn't she say at one point, though, um, and I could be wrong, but she starts telling him you know, all the reasons he shouldn't unscrew her and... and uh, shoot her off into space which he does but she says at one point you don't want to get rid of me i i can tell risque stories and do bird calls oh yeah she's she, all her she's really good giving all her virtues 
Yeah, and I just thought that was great. I love the the idea of don't get rid of me. I can tell risque stories. I was like, ooh, yes, let's hear those. Why didn't you say so? <laughs> exactly. Well, I would never have unscrewed you. But that's it. Like, blaster into space. Quark calls Palindrome and tells him he's defeated Vanessa. We didn't really get into it, but there's like a quick cutaway scene where Palindrome's talking to the woman who invented Vanessa. And like, she's just like, uh, she'll probably kill them if they try to cross her. And Palindrome seems worried, but doesn't do anything about it. So then when Quark says, oh, we defeated Vanessa, he's like, thank God, I'm glad you finally stopped her. I'm like, wait, what do you care? Like, he's really, he's really happy, but like, he put her in the ship. Well, there's no time. There's no time because they wasted all that time on that five second Andy fighting scene. And anyway, he basically tells them, it's like to celebrate your success in holiday number 11, why don't you go pick up some holiday number 11 garbage and congratulations. And that ends the series. That's not true because there's one final shot. Is there? At the most epic ending to the series, you get a shot of Vanessa's console floating through space. Oh, that's right. As she sings Born Free. Yeah, it was pretty good. I've already pulled that for Instagram. Yeah, it's it's a long scene where she sings a lot of the song Born <laughs> yeah. Free. Yeah. Is that the last shot of the show? That's the last shot of the show. That's crazy. It was wild. All right. That that wraps it up, Jordan. You, you want to get any final notes you have on this? I only have one, and it's a bit of an odd one, and I don't know if anyone cares but me. But for a lot of the show, I couldn't quite figure out what was odd about Palindrome. And I was like, I think I know that actor, maybe. And there was just something odd about it. And what I think I've figured out is that he's doing an almost perfect Bob Hope impersonation the entire time. Oh. I don't know how many people (laughs) remember Bob Hope or know Bob Hope well, but he had a, a particular sort of delivery. And that's just what this guy's doing this guy's doing bob hope and he's doing it very well but it's such an odd uh time stamp i think uh for the show should we uh, go back recast palindrome as a like cg bob hope but they've uh, de-aged him that's perfect they de-age him it's all cg and you know you just hire like a voice actor to do his uh, an approximation yeah. of his voice yeah exactly well well no who did we have his pal- no steve carell i think i think we got it right the first time no it's fine it's fine the way it is absolutely um, I I did I wanted to ask you something too because because we took the escape pod, mm-hmm. we ended up missing three episodes of the show. Yeah, it was a real shame. So I'm going to tell you the titles of those episodes. Okay. And then maybe you can guess what the episodes were about. They'll be disappointing. Uh, we missed Goodbye, Columbus. <laughs> Columbus. Yes, Columbus. Okay. What's that show? What's that episode about? I think Columbus is uh, an old friend of Quark's who joins the crew again and uh they cork realizes they they don't have as much in common as they used to and then i don't know something happens doesn't make any sense uh the garbage explodes and the guy's dead great great we need i, I wish there's just some way of like making ob mud's middle name be columbus so it's him <laughs> he's back yeah hey guys i don't understand you're taking credit for building andy i built him <laughs> all right and then finally um there are two episodes left but good news the episodes are all the Emperor's Quasi-Norms, part one and part two. Oh, so it's, the Quasi-Norm really was a thing that we uh, we, we missed. Yeah, it was going to come back at some point. So what do you think a Quasi-Norm is? Because that will uh, indicate what the episode is. I the mean, episodes. knowing this show, it's a slight against some sort of uh, class of person who has like no uh, ability to stand up for themselves. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're probably right. So... Um, probably the irish yeah so so it's about it's about the irish cork basically lets the viewers know he hates them as the viewers should 
um, for being different. They're drunk. They uh, they all grow those <laughs> sentient potatoes. They're like they work with the sentient potatoes. Yeah. And there's some sort of there's some sort of emperor. Oh, maybe the maybe the the sentient potato is their emperor. Yeah. And if there's one thing that Quark can do well, it's accidentally create a famine. Per- perfect. Yeah. I don't know. There That's the show. There's no way the ep- actual episodes are worse than that. There's no way. Uh, no. Zero chance. What do you want to rate this marvelous bastard? Uh, all right. Let me. I'll go first. I'll go first. Um, Vanessa, two eight. No, oh, sorry, three eight two four three six. It's not. A, it's not the worst episode of the show. It might be the best episode of the show, if I'm being honest. I think it is the best episode of the show. Um, but the problem is, I think I I overrated uh, the source with a six. Oh come on now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give this uh, just a five. It's right down the middle. I'm gonna give this a score. But let me just say something. Luke, you and I saw each other uh, a few days ago on the weekend, and (laughs) this came up with some people uh, that we were talking to, and and I was accused by several people that, that, like, the the, the comment just was, well, you love Quark, and you love Quark, and you're always defending. Now, I don't love Quark, and I'm not defending Quark. I just feel like we were overly harsh on this show because of the time period it was in and the type of show it was. Now, I'm not saying it's good, because it's definitely not, but I think... Sometimes the comparisons were unfair, and I think the scores were unfair to this particular show. Now, in saying that, I'm going to give a 6.5. 6.5. Yeah, but I don't love Quark, so I want people to stop telling me that. <laughs> well, Jordan, I'm punching this into the continue and drag computer right now. And do you want to know what our final series rating is for Quark? I bet it's at just a 5, I would say. It is 4.82. Pretty close. That might still be one of our lower rated ones, though. I think they're lower than that. I think that one, of the ones we've escaped, I think it's like maybe even too highly rated. Now, let me ask you, what would you rather watch? All of this or all of Space Rangers? All of this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But you love Space Rangers. Yeah, I'm an apologist for both. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, Jordan, I guess maybe this answers the question then. Would you recommend anyone watch this show? I think if there's someone who is a big fan of a particular type of retro TV, like I Dream a Genie and that sort of thing, a, a real completist of that era would watch this and, and get some enjoyment out of it. Um, it's now it's it's nowhere even near as good as I Dream a Genie, but it's if someone who likes that kind of show, yeah, you, you'd I'd recommend it. But for any other human being, no, absolutely not. Yeah, I w- I would agree. I think like 99% of humanity doesn't need to watch this show. I, and unless your name is uh, what's the the person who always does our reviews? That oh, person. Uh, H Piley Pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. H Piley Pie. He's he's the core demographic for the show. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but that's it. That's Cork. That that was a that was a fun wild ride. That was that was a, that was a weird one. I mean, uh, well, yeah, sure. I we got through it and uh, we escaped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to need to deconstruct it for a while longer, I think. I may actually go back and, and on my own time watch the other episodes because I'm still disappointed that we took the escape pod. You want to know about what quasi-norms are? I got to. I got to know what a quasi-norm is. I got to know why I want to make fun of them. All right. Well, if you want to email us and confirm that everything Jordan has said proves he loves Quark. Yeah, I don't want anyone email me tell, me tell me how much I love Quark. I'm tired of hearing about it. I want you to send time code in of the exact <laughs> lines of dialogue that prove the case in a court of law that yeah. Jordan loves Quark. Yeah. You can get us at continuumdrag at gmail.com. And, uh, of course, on Instagram and Twitter, we'll have some great clips from this show. Um, 
I think we've listed a few of them, but certainly that uh, AI singing Born Free for sure. Yeah, that's a good one. And then probably Andy doing some stuff. We'll see. Falling into garbage. Oh, yeah. The best scene of the show, the entire mm-hmm. series, that seeing the inside of the garbage hole, <laughs> yeah. finally. Um, you can watch those uh, at Instagram and Twitter. Uh, our handle is c- Continuum Drag on both of those. And that about wraps it up. So I guess we'll uh, we'll move on to something uh, new and exciting in the coming weeks. And uh, and and that's it for Cork. Sadly, Jordan Jordan will long lament this day. Well, anyways, on on to better things. So we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And Jordan, see you next week. See you then. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rex Siedler. Produced by Jordan Delic and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes, Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, Jane McRae, and Stephen Packard.